Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of A Mic on the Podium with me, Michael Seal. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you will know that I also run a Patreon page, where I've posted interviews, articles and videos all about conductors and the art of conducting. You can now pay for that content annually, and if you choose to do so, you get a 10% discount over your year of subscription. Just click on the link in the show notes attached to this episode, and it will take you straight to my Patreon page. Today, I conduct a conversation with a conductor who hails from the Basque country. He was principal conductor and artistic director of the Bilbao Symphony Orchestra for nine years, and chief conductor of the BBC Philharmonic for eight years. It's a great pleasure to welcome Juanjo Mena. Juanjo, how are you? Lovely to see you, to speak to you, and to meet you. We've never met. How are you? Very well. I am very happy to be with you. Good. Very happy to see you. Um, With everybody, I go right back to the beginning, and you're from the Basque country in Spain, northern Spain. So tell me um, what it was like growing up there, and how music first came into your life, into your world. Yes, I live in the north of Spain, the Basque country, in a little paradise that is close to the mountains and reservoirs, in a very typical house of Basque country, that is uh, Caserillo. This is a stone, wood, uh, strong gardens, and very nice place to relax and, and study correctly the scores. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, my, my first instrument was the, was the boys. Oh, okay. Uh, I was a boy singer in a choir. Uh, an altruist teacher um, came to my class with, uh, with a flute yeah. and invited us to sing the note uh, of the flute. Uh, I did quite well <laughs> because he chose me to um, propose me if, if I'd be able to be singing in the choir of the, of the school. No? Uh, I was lucky in any case because I think uh, the voice is the better instrument to get started in music. Yes, yeah. Uh, my parents, after this, uh, when I was in the choir, decided that I should enter in the music school in Victoria to learn the, the you know, what to read, the music, all these things, no? Uh, and in addition to that, I was lucky to learn an instrument uh, that's very similar to the boys, that was the clarinet. Mm. I was clarinet player. Uh, this man that organized in the air, the musical line and resonance within the body, uh, which was for me, I think, perfect. And later on, I also studied uh, a bit of piano, double bass, um, viola. Wow. So you, you you covered most of the areas of an orchestra. You, it's only the brass you didn't, you didn't try. Yeah. <laughs> but I must tell you, really what I want when I was go first time to the School of Music, I say I like to play the trumpet. Mm. But the teacher, uh, was no very nice with me and told me a very strange story that if I start with the clarinet, I can play after one year the, the saxophone very well too. And also I can play the trumpet after three years. That is not true, you know, with a saxophone yeah. and clarinet, yeah, yes, but not with the with the trumpet, you know. <laughs> yeah, that 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 seems like a, a, a story to to tell you to go away and not come back, really, doesn't it? <laughs> the the clarinet and, and saxophone embouchure is nothing like the trumpet at all. Um yeah, thank you. Um, so at this uh, this, you know, having tried all of those instruments out, I'm assuming in Vitoria, you were playing in local bands or local uh, groups, what, and maybe you encountered a conductor for the first time. 
Yeah, I I I was playing the a small autochton folklore flute flute mm. that is the chistu here uh, in the streets with the dancers, you know, with people enjoying all these things. I was playing for more than eight years in the with band or the Victoria. I learned a lot also there. Um, and all these experience are very important for me and for the future. No? Mm. When I was 14, uh, my teacher in the, in the choir um, considered me as one of his more gifted students and invited me to start taking classes in choir conducting. Mm. You know, I was sometimes the solo of the choir uh, also, uh, playing the instrument, uh, you know, with the choir. And it's for this, maybe he chose me to, to do this, no? Uh, and at the age of 16, I founded a girls choir. Mm. There were actually a hundred girls, seven to 14 years old mm. in that choir. You know, I was only 16. Mm. Uh, this, was the, this was a very, a very important experience for me. I learned what it means to conduct interchange energy with the team that is in front of you. Mm. These ladies, they didn't know music and only reacted to my vocal samples, inputs. Mm. So if I wasn't in tune or, or didn't pronounce well, <laughs> they were even less in tune and the test was not good. Mm. Okay, I, I, I started to understand what is conduct. If you propose things, you must have results and you must listen to the team that is in front of you. I think it's very important. Sometimes conductors, maybe we, we talk about us, about what we think, and we don't listen to the orchestra. You know, We need really take care about what we are creating. Mm. Well, I mean, and to get that training or to get that experience at the age of 16, I mean, you've got probably five years head start on most people. You know, most people will go to a conservatory or conservatoire or a university and study the violin or the trumpet or the clarinet and then decide to become a conductor at maybe 21, 22. So to have that experience from 16 is invaluable, I think. Exactly. I, I was always uh, grateful to these ladies, yeah. <laughs> mm. So you go uh, eventually to the Madrid Royal Conservatory. Um, and I've read that you studied composition and conducting with two different teachers. Did you uh, study anything else there? Did you study any of your instruments there whilst you were there? I, I always try to learn a little about the strings. I play a little there, the viola, mm. and also the double bass, to know about the bow, to know what is, you know. I, I was thinking always, after after two years conducting this uh, this girls' choir, I decide I want to be a conductor, yeah. maybe only for a choir. But later I saw the door to another another uh, options than is the orchestra, no? Uh, yes, my, my teacher of composition was uh, Carmelo Bernaola, a very, very wonderful man, uh, very acknowledged. I learned a lot of with orchestration, instrumentation, yeah. you know, all these things that are very important, also about harmony, about the direction of the music, the tensions. Uh, and it was Carmelo Bernaola who made for me the proposition um, to be also uh, to to start to to conduct the children's orchestra of the of the school of music of Vitoria, mm. um, because uh, also I was lucky because at this time the bass composer Camilo Bernaula, together with the mayor of my town Vitoria, created a new music school. Ah. 
that was really modern. Yeah. With, uh, we have the first, uh, the second laboratory electroacoustic in the in the country. You understand me? Yeah. At this time, uh, and it was Carmelo who made the, the propositions to me. Uh, for example, with our uh, we study in composition and we created some some pieces, some works. And I was always doing the premiere of these works. You understand mm -hmm. me? Any work yeah. that we created, we were listening and yeah. analyzing and what this and that. You know, this was spectacular for me. Yeah, wonderful. Um, I also read that you studied conducting with Enrique Garcia Asensio um, yeah. in, in Madrid. Um, yeah. uh, what was he like? What was his teaching style like? I often ask with a teacher I don't know or I don't know the name of, were they very into technique or were they very much more skewed towards studying scores and less about technique or was it the, the whole overall package? Yeah, for me, uh, I have really a triad, triad of, of, of teachers. I think this first one that I told you, Carmelo, for composition, yes. orchestration, you know, uh, we did a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, classes. Uh, he, told, he told us, okay, uh, we received a call of Valerice uh, Rumfunda to create a new piece. And this is the orchestration that we have, the, the instruments that we have. And this is the accord in Forte. What is the distribution of this accord uh, in, the, in the orchestra to be the better sound, the much better sound possible? Okay, yeah. we were discussing. Now it's in piano. Where, where, where we put the piccolo, you know? I was in all these uh, very important things uh, to... Uh, to, to be a conductor than is to, to, to know about the, what is the, the balance between the instruments, um, the colors, what we can do, what we cannot do, all these things. Carmelo was the, the wonderful one, but he was also a friend of Maestro Celebidaki. Mm -hmm. They know in Siena years ago. And, and you know, Enrique Garcia Asensio was also a student, a student of, uh, with, uh, a student of, of Celebidaki in Siena. Yeah. And it's for this Carmelo invite me to go to Madrid to study with Maestro Garcia Asensio. I must tell you, uh, uh, was an incredible man with a technique, mm. you know, with uh, very, very clear with, you know, also about Televidake proportions in the gest in your arms, when you are conducting all these things. I was learning this from beginning, you know, yeah. with Bernaula, with him, and, and, and after, after, after this, uh, be in touch with the Maestro Celibidaki, yeah. Well, that's a name that has rarely appeared um, before on the podcast. Even favourite conductors of yesteryear, his name doesn't appear uh, very often, if at all. And it's a name I'm intrigued by. I mean, I think I would have been frightened to death to have met him and, and to be taught by him and mentored by him. What was um, Celibidaki like? Um, I mean, the films I've watched, he comes over as being extremely intense, but maybe that's because there was a film camera on him. What was he like uh, in private? And, and what sort of things did he teach you? Okay, uh, as, as I, I'm talking with you, the theory is now there, the orchestration, all these things. The technique was there. Mm. I was needing another things. Mm. Music is only technique and knowledge about the score, about the orchestration. No, you, you must be creative. Mm. And I was within, in, I don't know how many rehearsals, you know, he take the, the Munich Philharmonic for four hours to rehearse uh, the four lessons of Strauss without singer, four hours, making this amazing, you know? 
Yeah. Uh, the construction is lower to create create sonority, new sonorities, to, to be open the doors for uh, searching something, discover something, uh, balance the instruments, talking about a lot of things that create an amazing atmosphere, mm. okay? Uh, but always basis in a amazing knowledge. Knowledge. Mm. Knowledge, yeah. And, and was he, uh, did he easily give you advice or was it mainly through you sitting and watching him work? Or do you know what I mean? I've seen these films where people are almost sat at his knees and he is giving them advice. So he would do that with you. I was in this in this uh, big team uh, around him listening, talking about reduction in music, about proportions in music, about tensions, about you know all these things. Speaking, yeah, it's fine. But for me, at the end, the more important thing was to look him, uh, uh, what to say, cre creating amazing transition in a, a movement or creating an incredible sonority that I never believed I was able to have these uh, four pianos, for example, you know. Mm. Uh, at the point of view personal, the pros of him with the musicians, or with us, with the st students, was, were always very, 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 very strong. Mm. You know, but was always because he know what is to be conductor and he know what the level is, is needing to be conductor and he was always pushing us and pushing us and more and more to try to obtain the best of, of us. But sometimes I recognize that uh, in the, uh, some friends or some people that I knew of this team was really uh, uh, fired by him, you know, instead of me. Mm -hmm. Not fired directly, but with all this information, uh, not, you know, very strong and, and always very, very strong with them. Um, they never, never, some of them know very well about phenomenology, about reduction, mm. about all these things I, are people that know more than me about it, <laughs> but they can't, but they can conduct mm. because they were completely stopped by maestro, you know, yeah, you yeah. can't conduct. It's for this one more time, my experience in the past conducting. I survived maybe because I was always only two weeks there and came back home and yes. take my team and conduct. Yeah. I was conducting always, you know what I mean? I came back there and no, this is not good. No, what are you doing? No, don't <laughs> eat just that. No, no. Okay, okay. But after this, I go home and I have my, 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 school, my school orchestra or my choir to make music. Yeah. I think it was the difference uh, to, to, to survive. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I can see that, that, you know, you go to these sessions with somebody like Chili Badaki and you learn his principles and his ideals and his ways and his thoughts. But then when it actually comes to physically conducting, he can stop somebody's confidence by just being too overbearing and too hard on them. And so, yeah, they have all of the things going on in their mind, but when it actually comes to moving their arms, they're frightened to death. Yeah, and, it, and for you to get out of there after two weeks and go back and just conduct... Because, of course, the great thing about conducting is that when you're doing it, you haven't got time to think about technical things. No. no. You are thinking you are not conducting, Finish. Yeah, yeah you're, you have to just get on with rehearsing and you're, you're not thinking about, well, my wrist needs to be doing this and my, that gesture needs to be doing that. If you're thinking that, you're not rehearsing and you're, and you're not conducting. Exactly.
looking ahead, um, you, you talk about um, uh, conducting your orchestra back home and you become mm -hmm. associate conductor of the, I don't know how to pronounce this word, Auscardi, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Auscardi, yeah. 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 Symphony Orchestra um, in around 97. And then the big break comes in 99 when you get to be artistic director and principal conductor of the Bilbao Symphony Orchestra. Uh, how did that come about? I mean, was that through, as you said, going home between sessions with Charlie Badaki and whatever, and just working a lot in in um, around your home, around your home region? Exactly. Uh, the mayor of my city in Vitoria decided uh, to start with a youth orchestra in Vitoria Gasteiz. Mm. And I, I, of course, at the same time, I created a chamber orchestra in the Basque Country with professionals, people for the Euskadi Orchestra, uh, only with the strings, mm. to learn more with them uh, and to learn a lot about the strings. No? Uh, um, and then the Basque government uh, called me to create and conduct the National Youth Orchestra of the Basque Country. Mm. Um, after two years with this orchestra, that was spectacular, a lot of wonderful prayers. This, this was the, 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 the based on the external results with the Youth National Orchestra that, that, that put me in the professional Basque National Orchestra. No? They take me, the, the Euskadi Symphony Orchestra, uh, called me to be an assistant conductor of the mm. orchestra. And at the same time, I started to, to work with the Bilbao Symphony Orchestra with a choir of my city that supposed to be 25 years old and invited me, okay, we want to do the Requiem Cherubini for men's. Mm. Are you able to conduct us? We will pay the Bilbao Symphony to do it. And I did this project and was spectacular. Immediately the Bilbao Symphony reinvited me several times. And after years, uh, after only three years, sorry, I was appointed uh, chief conductor because the musicians uh, want to do. In 1999, you know, the Bilbao, Bilbao was an amazing city. That was a creative time in Bilbao. Uh, the synergy in the city was incredible in this time with the new Guggenheim, Guggenheim Museum. Yes. And also with the new concert hall. You know, mm -hmm. I, I did the, the inauguration of the new hall that is spectacular, close to the Guggenheim, you know, and I was there, you know, with all my time, <laughs> uh, with orchestra that need time. And I spent more than 28, 30 weeks by year with them in the first seasons, you know. Wow. I take any single thing, any concert in the village, any didactic concert, I take it yeah. to change the color, to, 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 to have the, to establish what is the tension that the orchestra need to be better. Yeah. Well, I've played in that new hall uh, when I was playing with the CBSO and we went there. I cannot remember when, but I remember the hall because as you said, it's very close to the Guggenheim Museum. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was a lovely hall. Really, really, really nice hall. So if you were spending that many weeks a year with your orchestra in Bilbao, I'm assuming you were doing only a few guest conducting appearances because by now people will have heard of this guy, this guy Mena, who's now conducting in Bilbao and they'll want to book you to go elsewhere across Europe and across the world. Um, so I'm assuming at the beginning you weren't doing much guest conducting because you were spending so much time in Bilbao. Yeah, but I was learning a lot. You mm. know, the orchestra needs a conductor with time for them. I, I did sectionals, you know, I did uh, a programs for with two weeks, you know, two, two big symphonies. 
to, to do the things correctly, well, with tuning, with, you know, with, um, it was very, very important time for me. And when I went out, first time I think was in 2004. Mm. I wow. take it in 1999. Yeah. But I went there, I went to Bergen, and later appointed me as principal guest. And I went there with a scores that I knew, you know, right. a lot. I knew what the second planet will be too loud in, you know, and there, you know, and this was the only way. I, I talk now to a lot of young conductors that came to me. Uh, no, um, my, uh, this orchestra invited me to conduct, you know, uh, Leipzig, the Gewandhaus Leipzig. I will conduct Gewandhaus Leipzig. I say, what? <laughs> which, 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 which piece? It's a Eroica of Beethoven. Eroica Beethoven? Did you conduct before? No, but I am studying. I say, what? What are you doing? You know, <laughs> don't go, don't go. But you know, the management sometimes now take these people with the prices of the, of the, of the, of the con concourse, no, of the, of the mother um, competitions or yes. anything. You know, I'm put in these places, then they mustn't be there. It's too early. They, they didn't know enough the score. No? Mm. Well, I, I, I personally agree with that very much. Um, that, you know, having won a competition, these the, the young conductors are given incredible concerts. But also that, that's partly that their decision to accept them. You know, I, I'm much more, you know, I'm a much more of a slow burner. I didn't start conducting really until I was 35. I didn't go fully time professional until I was 44. Um, but then that means, that I, you know, I've, I've taken a long time to really learn things. Um, I think if I'd been doing that when I was 25 and I was suddenly conducting, you know, whoever, Bilbao, Birmingham or Leipzig, and I was doing the, you know, the Eroica for the first time, I'd be a nervous wreck. Um, but, you know, they seem to, you know, get through it. Maybe it's because they've got the title of competition winner over their head and they, you know, that's how they cope. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think your approach in Bilbao is one that I, I really like. I mean, I don't think music directors spend enough time with their orchestras, um, you know, forming how they play and, and uh, they spend, two, you know, one or two weeks and then jet off around the world. Or at least they used to. Uh, it's not happening at the moment, but, you know, may, who knows what it's going to turn up like. You said it yourself that you were a principal guest in Bergen from 07 and also principal guest for the Teatro Carlo Felice in Genoa. Um, Genoa. Genoa. I can't even say it. Genoa. <laughs> um, for three years from 2007. And, um, but then the big job change is finishing in Bilbao and two years later you become chief conductor of the BBC Philharmonic. Uh, how was that meeting them for the first time and then uh, taking over the role as chief conductor? It's an orchestra I've conducted many times. I love them. Uh, they're a wonderful, yeah. wonderful group of musicians. But what was it like meeting them for the first time? It was a joy for me to, to, to be invited there uh, uh, to conduct them. And their first meeting was in the old studios in, in Oxford Road, you know. Mm. And I remember very well I was in Sook working so hard so fast you know for me it was a uh, okay i i i did in the also in 2005 seven more guests conducting and i discovered that the level is this one that i i want and and and, and i must try to go to the high level orchestras to learn more and more i i recognized and i i was also dumping uh, doing a guest invitations no but when i arrived there uh, they were searching i was very strong with them the program that I was doing first time was I knew very, very, very well. 
Yeah. Uh, and immediately, uh, Richard Bigler and Mike George came to me to say, orchestra is very, very happy with you. Are you interested? We are searching now the new chief conductor. Are you interested to, to be in trial for two years uh, with different repertories and to know what, what is and decide what happened later, no? Yes, of course, I am really, uh, really, uh, what to say, happy to, to, to do this, yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, it, it speaks volumes just before you go on and tell me what, you know, what your time in, in Manchester was like, but it speaks volumes that both in Bilbao and in Manchester, the orchestra said they were really happy and they really wanted you. Many times, conductors get offered jobs with orchestras and it, the decision has come from the management or from the board and has not come from the players. You know, as a conductor, it, me it means so much more when you're told, look, the players really like you, you know, uh, and, and then you think, well, this, this is a rubber stamp. You know, I like them as well. And that's great. You know, isn't it? Don't you agree that that's that to me it can be the only way I could ever accept a job is if the players really wanted me. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I sometimes uh, I knew another young conductors in Spain, in the principal orchestras. And I told the manager, why you put this man there? He conducted the orchestra before? No, he didn't conduct the orchestra. What? You, you admit that this can be a shift conductor without conducting the orchestra before? You know, this is not possible. This is really wrong start and wrong end there, of course. Mm, yeah. So what was Manchester like? What, what uh, do you remember of those uh, years there, eight years there, big projects, I'm sure. But also, I know because I've worked with every BBC orchestra, you get to do some weird repertoire, um, also some mainstream repertoire, but you know, you, there's a, a lot comes on your plate, doesn't it? Exactly. This was a very, very strong time of study. I spent more time than ever in my life. Before I was more, maybe more creative or creative or more, what to say, more um, with more expression or more musical or what to say. But I discovered, hey, now this is uh, another another history. We have now a Bentley here, you know, we have a big car, yes. a Bentley, and, 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 and you must manage this correctly, you know. As for this, uh, I learn a lot. More of the things is to know exactly what what is written in the school. Mm. Any single and the single small thing, you know, because you must know this to, to know what to do with this, you know. And of course, you know, as a radio orchestra, you know, BBC's with the radio, you know, you are always putting all the marks, what the conductor want to be really, really correct when you play for the, for the microphones, you know, and mm. for, for all these amazing 20,000 people listening to BBC Radio 3, you know. You know, um, and it's for this, uh, only in the first uh, the first year, maybe I was a little surprised surprised with some things of this, but later, no more. I, I um, for example, when I recognize now my scores uh, in the times of Bilbao, uh, I I mark my mark my marks were really nothing. You know, uh, uh, I I saw this now. Uh, in my score, and it's plenty of information, and 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 this and that, and this is less than this one. You know, I I I I was really a, a better professional when I started really uh, to understand BBC Field, and we started to make good music, and we started to create a, a beautiful concert. Now I think BBC was uh, the center of my 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 career. Well, um, I was going to ask you 
um, a, a, a separate question, which we sort of talked about before I pressed record, um, which is uh, as part of your role with the BBC Philharmonic, you will encounter young conductors who come from the Royal Northern College of Music. Um, and part of their study on that conducting course is to come and assist you at the BBC Philharmonic, but also at the Halle and also at the Royal Liverpool Philharmonic, just 30 miles down the road. So, and it was there that you met Alpesh Chohan, but you would have met many, many, many other conductors. Is teaching that something that you enjoy in, or in that case, mentoring and uh, going on? Do you teach now and, or do you intend to teach in the future? No, I am not interested in teaching. I think it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. Maybe from my experience, I know that it's very, very difficult to, to translate what, what is to be conductor and how many things you must uh, control as a teacher, mm. or you must have a, a very clear things. And also, um, uh, I want to say, uh, 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 the options to change the things of the, of the musicians or the students that came to you. Uh, what I do now is I open my rehearsals to the students and I spoke with them in the pauses, after the pauses, in all the day, I invite them to eat, to talk, because uh, it was what I was learning, you know, making music, listening in rehearsals, speaking with this, with that, you take more information about what it's really this, no? Mm. And I talk a lot of them about my experience in the past, you know, about what I did is, why you do, cannot do this? You cannot do a string quartet to make this piece before you go to, you know? I try to invite them to think about what is the way to arrive correctly to be a conductor or what was my way. Mm -hmm. and, and, but I, I, for example, about the technique, I can tell them a lot of things about the technique, but I cannot be a teacher of technique, you know, because, this is this is very difficult. Your body, your reaction of the of the, of the intentions that I propose to you, you know this this is very complex. I think uh, um, it's better to talk about. I told all of them after the rehearsal, tell me five things that you didn't like. <laughs> if you are conductor, you must have five things of the rehearsal that you don't like it. Um, always is difficult for them to say bad things to them, <laughs> but I accept very clear this and say yes, true, this was wrong. I spoke too much here. Why the why the tension of the uh, of the ambient in the orchestra changed now in this in this bar? What I said, I was not at home or in the hotel thinking I will said this in the minute twenty five of the rehearsal to enjoy people. No, I was conducting. I felt that we were needing something extra musical to open the door to another place. And I, I said, because I was living with this in the last years, I know what is, you know, it's inside of me. I am yes. not thinking to do it, you know. And I try to transmit then this, that they mustn't be thinking. Than when, and as also the difference between rehearsals and concerts. And the rehearsals, you are there controlling this and that and those and that, but, but music is another thing. Mm. And if you are doing the same when you are conducting in concert, okay, this is not the way to make music. No. Well, I, I, it sounds like you give them everything that you, you can give them um, and that you want to give them. And sort of along the lines of what some people have said about this podcast is by having two conductors talking to each other about conducting, that you know, people are hearing things and they're learning things and they're learning from listening to your experiences and mine. And I think you know, just sitting down over a coffee or a 
or a meal with a conductor, you can learn things. It doesn't have to be as, you know, what you do with your wrist and it doesn't have to be what you do with your knees. It can be just, you know, if you say that sentence, something like that at this point of the rehearsal, you know, something might happen. If you use this phrase, be ready for people to get angry, you know, or something. It could be just as simple as that. So I think you offer them everything that you can. And I think that's great. If you are a young conductor, a conductor just starting out, or you are studying conducting, you may like to know that by subscribing to my Patreon page, it's possible to gain access to all manner of conducting-based articles, chats and material. And in some of the higher levels of subscription, you could also get personal Zoom meetings or even conducting lessons from myself. Subscriptions start at just £5 a month, and I'm currently offering a 10% discount for anyone who subscribes with a one-off annual payment. Which means that if you opt for the highest subscription level, you'll get six hours of one-to-one -one conducting lessons, four personal Zoom meetings where we can chat about anything to do with conducting, and four group Zoom meetings as well, as well as all of the other content on the site. Details are in the show notes below, attached to this episode. Now, back to my chat with Juanjo Mena. Um, you just mentioned, well, a couple of topics back about your scores from Bilbao being with not much in, and then your your scores from the BBC Times, maybe with a lot more uh, written in. It's a question that conducting geeks and also people love me to ask, and every conductor I ask them, when you come to learn a score, do you sit at a piano or do you just sit in silence at your desk? And do you start from the beginning and work your way through, or do you look at the overall picture and zero in? And do you use colours to write in you know, markings, red, blue, black? Uh, how, how is it now? You just said you mark more in, but do you only use pencil? What, what do you do, Juanjo? Yeah, I use pencils, yeah. I, I, in the beginning, it uh, was no colours at all. It was only with the normal, you know, simple black thing mm. or any, no more than this. I'm very, very bad material also mm. in this time. Uh, but now, you know, I use uh, I use uh, a lot of colors, uh, yellow for uh, important things about the tempis, the change of the tempis or ritornando, so crescendis. Also about uh, small things as uh, uh, take the mute out or, you know, or yeah. all these little things that sometimes it's not so clear. This is in yellow to, to be. But more than this, uh, I use pencils of different colors and I try to understand and mark the distribution uh, of the musical tension in the score. Mm. This is the first thing. I don't go to the piano. I, in my, my table, I look the score. I analyze what is the register that they are playing. What is this? This is the principal phrase. This is, ah, but this is, is the principal phrase. No, it's, it's mezzo piano written here. Is there this, you know, I discover. And with this, after this, I start to mark where are the entrances, mm. important entrances. Mm -hmm or what is the instrument that is leading there, but always putting in comparison with another things, you know, and there's plenty of uh, 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 less, uh, you know, to put a little line, no positive, negative, less here, more there, that. And, and after this, I use a lot, I go to the dynamics. Mm. For me also is the, 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 the confirmation of the directions or the phrases or, or the balance uh, or, or the agogic, no? What, I talk about the agogic, no? which is the change of the movements or, or, the, or the tempis that create different things. No? Okay, do a very good diminuendo, don't do ritenuto. 
mm. and this would be amazing. And in a lot of rehearsals, I remember I, it's a, you know, for example, Brands 3, we, we go to the last coda, no? Then it's a, it's a, a lot of activity in the, in the strings, you know, but yes. it's gonna go to nothing, you know? And I remember rehearsals, no, talking there, don't, don't use, don't, what is this ball? No, no, no. We will do now five ball, five bars ball down. Yeah. You know, people, eh? <laughs> five bars ball down. Mm. Yes, I know that you think that I am crazy. Go do this, do this. And you know, and immediately they do this five ball that is really strong to control. But the amazing diminuendo that you obtain after this. Yeah. And some of them, some of crystals told me, okay, Master, we change, we put this ball. No, 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 don't put this ball. This ball is, is, ter is terrible. It's terrible. It's, it's, not, it's not possible. Now you have listened, you have listened what what atmosphere we created. Mm. Search the bowl that you have this sound. You understand me? Absolutely, I yeah. It's, it's a lot of things that are very psychological. And we can say, Pew piano here. What's this? Sorry. Uh, sometimes I saw orchestra playing in, in Passage that is in piano. I, I felt that they are playing in mezzo forte. I say, I love your mezzo forte. <laughs> you can say, please, no, it's why you play. No, it's piano. No, you say, no. Beautiful mezzo forte. Can we play what is written original? Mm. And, yeah. and you know, and you obtain things that always is relative, you know, in music, and this is very difficult to manage. Well, I, I, I might steal your five bars of one long down bow at the end of Brahms three. I think that sounds like a, sounds like a brilliant plan. Uh, and do as you say, which is you know. You do it five bars down and then say, look, you've heard it how I want it to sound. Now do it with the bowings that you have. I do do that with other places where I ask orchestras sometimes, play them all down bows. So you get this gag, 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 uh, and, and then they look at you and say, do you want to change the bowing? I say, no, I don't. But I want it to sound like that with the bowing that you've got. You know, I, all down bows there would sound, would be ridiculous. It's also incredibly tiring. But yeah, I, I think... Um, uh, the other point I wanted to make is, and it very quickly for young conductors who might be listening... When uh, Juanjo and myself are talking about putting colours in scores, they're our scores, we've bought them. Don't put yellow, red, blue, black, pink, green uh, or anything into a higher score because you will be, get into big trouble. <laughs> I mean, looking at Juanjo there, he's nodding away. And also, it's the same if you get scores from the BBC Library. You know, you, we either would learn it off a copy with, with our colours in or with the, the ones that they give you, you just have to be... Just use pencil lightly and, and, uh, and learn to conduct off both. Juanjo, it is 10 questions time. And I start with, what sound or noise do you love and what sound or noise do you hate? I like the sound of the sea's waves. Mm. or the birds singing in the morning in the garden of my home. Mm. And the sound you don't like or even hate? I hate the sound of guns, mm. in particular that of the machine guns. When I was only 11 years old, in times of the dictator Franco, I saw the police killing five workers in front of my home, and I never forgot this. Wow, my God. <laughs> I'm sure you wouldn't forget it. Wow, that's uh, that's an answer I've never we've never had before and, and thank God. But yeah, what a what an amazing experience. Yeah. Wow. I'm I'm somewhat taken aback. Um 
Well, let's hope the next question's a bit easier to answer. Uh, if you had 24 hours free, what would you spend it doing? I would spend this time with my family. Mm. Walking in the forest around our home or cooking a tortilla de patata. Mm. And trying to balance the time that I am not with them when I am working out. Who would be a favorite conductor of yesteryear? I would say Sergio Celebidake mm -hmm. for his creativity, Claudio Abado for his energy and knowledge, manipulating and ordering the energy he received from the orchestra. Mm. Magic, I think. Uh, Eugene Mabrinsky for his commitment with the music, what is written. Mm. Um, Maris Janssons for his beauty and liveliness. Well, there's four incredible names from the past. I mean, what brilliant choices. And also your reasoning is wonderful as well. Um, the question that some conductors find slightly harder is the next one, which is, can you name your favorite current conductor or conductors? In my tiny Munich, I saw the meetings between Maestro Barenboim and Maestro Celibidake. Mm. Um, I must say, uh, this man, Daniel Barenboim, uh, for the entertainment and control of the harmonic direction and mu of music and text in opera, I think is very close to the what was my feeling when the Maestro Celibidake was conducting. Mm. For me, the current life, life conductor is him. I was talking with him when I did my, my debut with Berlin Field. Mm. And I was in the morning with him listening to a rehearse, rehearsal of Strauss, uh, Electra, you know. Mm. And the work that he did in these four hours in the morning uh, with no stop, you know, was incredible uh, about the text, about the tension, the harmony. I think he's, uh, he's a really uh, incredible musician. What is the hardest work you have ever conducted? From the technical point of view, I, when I was 18, I conducted a choir of 2,000 kids <laughs> in a big hall with a small cha chamber ensemble. Um, to have the capacity to control 2,000 kids with silence, you know, attention, discipline, and just moving a little one finger and obtain results was spectacular uh, for me. Technically, it was complex, but was spectacular. Mm. Uh, physically, I might say, so any BBC Philharmonic concert was physically demanding, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one of them that was, you know, the two ballets, uh, you know, Mike George and Richard Bigley were amazing people thinking about projects, uh, someone waved the, some, some waved the same, you know. And we did, uh, I remember in Nottingham, uh, a piece of, of uh, Magnus Limber, Bibo, at the same time, Daphne Cicloe Ballet Complete and Rite of Spring Complete, you know. This was spectacular physically, uh, terrible, terrible, but wonderful at the same time. <laughs> and emotionally, maybe my last concert as chief conductor of, of Bilbao Symphony Orchestra, when I decided it's time to go. This is not a way to be better. To, to, to have better orchestra now. You know, my, my decision was, okay, it's time to go. Mm. Well, I, mean, I can imagine that was uh, rather emotional after nine years of being there. That BBC Philharmonic concert just sounds 
uh, I wish I'd been there, but as a player, that sounds that sounds like it went on for ages. Um, definite, a complete Daphne and Chloe and the right. Well, the Righteous Spring's only 33, 34 minutes, but yeah, that's a tough concert. That's a really tough concert. Um, yeah, I'm, no wonder that's in your list. When travelling abroad to conduct, what item could you not leave home without? A package of jamón ibérico. <laughs> These you can survive anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and it's full. I take with me all A pack of Iberica ham. You always have a pack of Iberica ham. Yes. <laughs> wow. Um, well, and therefore, if I ever see you, um, yeah, uh, and you've just arrived in the UK, I should be, uh, I should be saying, come on, break out the ham. I love Iberica ham. So I'll be interested <laughs> to see whether that plays any part in your answer to number 10. We'll see. What is the one thing you would change about being a conductor? Uh, I would want to have my family with me all the time. This hmm. is the only thing that I would. And do they come with you sometimes, or is it just too difficult? Sometimes. Now the children are a little higher years old, and okay, and and it's maybe more more easy. But in the in the beginning, it was very strong to have two different lives. Hmm. And it is exactly that. It is two different lives that you go away and you do your thing and you come back home and yeah. Um, and whilst, you know, it's very tempting to say yes to everything, there comes a point when three or four weeks on the road, you can't wait to get back home. Um, yeah. I mean, my wife has come with me on some journeys when I've been to Argentina, for instance, a country she'd always want, wanted to go to. And so she came down with me when I worked down there for 10 days. But it's not always possible. Um, they have other lives. And frankly, if they went with you everywhere, you'd never earn any money. The, the amount of cost of flights and hotels. So, exactly. yeah. Exactly. But, but yeah, it's a, I, I have the same feeling. There are so many places I wish my two girls could have come and seen with my wife but just not possible. Yeah. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I would say a Formula One pilot. <laughs> to be in the Mercedes team with Lewis Hamilton. This will be perfect. I love cars, yeah. Uh, are you, I mean, obviously you love watching Formula One, but um, are you the sort of conductor who, you know, I have friends who've got cars and they, in the UK you can take them on a track day where you go and drive your car around a racetrack. Would you, was that the sort of thing you would do? No, I'm crazy. I, I drive really fast always. And it's dangerous, I know, but you know, uh, I need sometimes, uh, some, you know, our work, we are there doing this, that, and, and go and we must take down. And when you are at home, you want to do all the things possible for the family. And sometimes I am the best taxi driver in, in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, shh, don't tell anybody, and I'm sure nobody's listening, but I love driving fast as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the journeys home after concerts from places like Bournemouth or Exeter or Truro, um, <laughs> I'm sure if the average speed gun was on, I might be in trouble. But I didn't tell you that. And, you know, that's not public knowledge. If the world were to end tonight, what would be your choice of final meal and drink? I would choose a dinner with my with my family at El Cano restaurant in Getaria. It's only 20 kilometers from San Sebastian. Mm -hmm. The first course will, would be gambas a la parrilla, you know, the, yeah. Yeah. outside, grilled prawns, um, grilled foie with apple sauce. Uh, for the main course, I will choose 
Rillet Turbot. Mm-hmm. Um, as a dessert, cheese ice cream. Cheese ice cream, yes. To drink, uh, we'll opt for Chacoli. This is our special white wine in Basque Country. That sounds amazing. Uh, turbot and white wine, yeah, that, that, <laughs> I'm with you. And, and grilled prawns on the barbecue. Uh, uh, it sounds terrible. Um, it, sounds, it actually sounds delicious. It's making my mouth water. Uh, Juanco, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Um, and I look forward to hopefully one day in the future uh, meeting yes. you over a glass of your Basque white wine and having a chat about conducting. Welcome. Came back. Came here to, to, to Basque Country. Yes, please. A Mic on the Podium was devised and produced by Michael Seal with music by Ben Dawson. Next time, I chat to an Israeli conductor who's also a composer and a novelist. He's held title positions in Israel, Spain, Germany, Italy and Austria in both the Opera House and on the concert stage. In 2019, he followed Juan Jomena and became the chief conductor of the BBC Philharmonic in Manchester. But until then... Bye-bye.